I didn't realize that almost 60 years ago that when my father saw David Wilkerson on the streets of New York preaching to the gangs and the authorities were trying to shut Brother Dave down and that my father would stand up on that street corner in Brooklyn and say, let the man preach, that that would not only be for David Wilkerson, but it would also be for me to preach one day. A very good friend of mine said this. They said, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. That was true when Brother Dave turned off his TV set and started to pray and led him to, from Pennsylvania to New York. And that was true for my father when he took a risk. And though he outranked a beat cop, he would begin to let the preaching continue. It was true for Pastor Carter and Teresa when they left Canada to come to New York City over 26 years ago. And I'm so thankful that we don't know what's on the other side of obedience. And so for Cindy and I, we are so grateful. We are so humble. And we are scared to death on the next part of this journey. I'll just tell you the truth. Please don't shake my hand today it is soaking wet so let's let's pray father thank you so much for what you desire to do god i'm so grateful for pastor carter and teresa and their leadership i'm so thankful for brother dave and gwen wilkerson and their heart lord god to see a mountain move and lord god a church a body of believers starts right here on broadway in 51st that you would begin to bring from canada pastor carter and teresa to not only lead this church but to begin to see a bible school a a place that would train the nations in the things of the gospel to send them out i'm so grateful lord god for how you have begun to script and put things together we stand here today in all, Lord God, that, Father, you are just asking us to see what's on the other side of our obedience. Simple steps, simple things that we do. We have no idea the doors that would open. We have no idea what God can do through just simple people like Brother Dave and Sister Gwen and Pastor Carter and Pastor Teresa by them just simply saying yes. May you begin to bring here today a church that is always saying yes. We say yes to worship. We say yes to missions. We say yes to Israel. We say yes to what you want to do in this city. We say yes to the Bronx. We say yes to North Jersey. We say yes to Summit. And we say yes to the home fellowship groups that are watching. We say yes to the prayer meeting. And we say yes to 207 nations in believing that this will begin to cover every nation on the planet. We just want to say yes and let you do the work God and believe that you can do it beyond that we just say yes today and so father what's on the other side of our obedience we have no idea but we do know this God is on the other side of our obedience thank you that Peter and Rita said yes to Israel Lord God decades ago and that you're using them there thank you Lord God that pastor David Ham and pastor Patrick said yes and are here in New York City with us. Thank you for everyone from, from Greg leading the choir saying yes to every choir member. Father, we just say yes to you today. And so, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, for what you're going to desire to do in this place today. Put a yes in our spirit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I... I just want to say this to you. I, I love you. Cindy and I count this as an honor and a privilege. For It is a miracle for us to be here. Just for Cindy to be sitting on a stage is a miracle. She would never. This took everything out of her to sit on this stage. And this will be it. She will not sit on this stage ever again. Um, and to her... And my three girls, my son had a swim meet this weekend for Liberty University. He was swimming at James Madison University, which I am excited. He just qualified for three events in the National Division I. Uh, for the, so that's exciting. 
I've only said this twice to Cindy, and I want to include my girls in this. In moments like this, when I look out over this place and look at the choir, it's one of those moments where everybody, when I see those three girls, and I see my wife, I just say to every one of you, everything is in black and white except four people. You're in color to me today. And I thank you. This is, this is when I look at you guys, it is, it is I, am, I am honored to be their father. I'm honored to be husband, and I'm honored to be here today. So that's, that's all I got. So let's, let's go. Let's just, let's, I can't do this, or I'm going to be an emotional wreck. So moving from New York City to down south Louisiana was a culture shock for us. I'm just telling you, especially when it came to animal life. The only time we have ever seen animals in Detroit, New York City was in the Bronx Zoo and in the Detroit Zoo and the subway. And so what has happened, what has happened when you go down south in Louisiana, they let all the animals just run loose. And so we, I, I'm amazed. And down there, they, um, they run free in Louisiana. They eat everything with rice. And so they, it's, it's an amazing culture. And we've been so thankful for these last five years and things that we're learning about animals that, that um, I, uh, I would want them in a zoo. But here's the part that has helped me. I've learned so much about animals since being down there that I'd never know, and especially groups of animals. I've learned that when you have a group of fish, they're called a school. Um, a group of whales are called a pod. Um, then if you go ground and air, we've seen so many cattle, they're called herds, and, and birds are called flocks. A tribe of lions, they don't have that there, it's called a pride. This was interesting to me, that when a bunch of crows gather around a, a, a roadkill that they're, that they're, they're gathered around, it's called a murder, um, is what the group is called. Um, tigers are called, a group of tigers are called an ambush. A group of ants, which we have experienced, is called a colony. Red ants down south are called demons. Um, <laughs> One of my favorite is that when a group of buzzards, which we've seen down there, this is fantastic. A group of them gathered around a dead animal is called a committee. It's fantastic. And now we see the problem in the churches in America. So, but here's my favorite, and this is what I want to just talk to you about today. My favorite designation for a group of animals are for rhinos which can run 30 miles an hour, faster than a squirrel. And here's the problem. When these rhinos are running 30 miles an hour, they can only see 30 feet in, ahead of them. So can you imagine this large, fast-moving group of rhinos, 30 miles an hour, and they can only see 30 feet, have no idea what's at 31 feet, and you would think that they would stop at 30 feet because they don't see. And with that horn, that weight, and that power, a group of rhinos is called a crash. I love that name because anything that God wants to do is usually 31 feet ahead of us and you can't see what's on the other side and God goes, you may think you're going to crash but what we find out is on the other side of our obedience, God is always there waiting for us. See, most church people think they're following Jesus but really they've invited Jesus to follow them. Let me say that again, because some of you missed that. Most people think they're following Jesus, but what we've normally done is invited Jesus to follow us. Because when you follow Jesus, you'll go 31 feet into places you never thought you should be going. See, we want everything God has to offer us without giving anything to him. And we want to, we want to buy in some many times to God without selling out to God. Carter Conlon leaving Riceville for New York City. That's a 31-foot move. Pastor Teresa saying, let me do Summit. That's a 31-foot decision. 
David Wilkerson coming to New York City from Pennsylvania. That's 31 feet. See, great things and God things usually go beyond that 30-foot threshold, and God is challenging us. It's the things you can't see. The 31 feet is the stuff that changes your life and changes your destiny. And that's why many of you even sitting here today, 31 feet is where there is the unknown. I don't know if this is going to work. This 31 feet is when you say, this is when you're thinking, am I crazy for doing this? Am I crazy to applying to Columbia or to Harvard? Or am I crazy for even thinking that I can use this gift that God's given me to go on Broadway or to even author a book? It's, it's that spot that says, I'm not sure I can do this. When you're sitting here today thinking, should I apply to Summit and be ready to go on the next semester? Um, it's you saying, I don't really even know anyone, and so really do I want to try out this new church or even join a small group here. And a lot of Christians finish their life at 30 feet and never see what God can actually do beyond that place. Great things that God wants to do. I want you to understand. I want to give you a few ideas to push you to 31 feet. I want to, I want to put you in the group of rhinos that just don't care. And I want to push you to that spot and I have a rhino verse for you today where two guys are challenged to go 31 feet, but only one goes to 31 feet. They both had a chance to become part of David's crash, David's rhinos that were called the mighty men in the Bible. And it's something that has become dear to my heart to go, God, this is what I want to do every time. Whenever I'm getting comfortable with 30 feet, it is you pushing me beyond to 31 feet. When Pastor Carter called me, um, and said, "What, that, Tim, this is what you're supposed to do. Literally, he was telling me, well, let me tell you what his words were. He just said, Tim, coffee break is over. It's time to come back to New York, is what he told me. <laughs> and so it, what he was saying was, it's time to go 31 feet, is what he was saying to me. He says, it's, you're done, now it's time to come back. And, and, and that's where the fear comes in because that's, Pastor Carter was going, it's time to step into a role that you know nothing about that you need God to do this. It's the mighty men that spent their life 31 feet with David. It's the mighty men that never really knew what was next except that God was leading and taking them to that place. And so I want to show you something in 1 Samuel 26, 6, one verse that has two names. And only one of those names joins the crash, goes 31 feet. Well, only one of those names begins to say, let's do this. And both presented with the opportunity, but I want to show you how to do 31 feet today. Whatever God has gifted you and asking you to do in this place. And in fact, what you are going to feel, I want to just prep you, some of you today, what, what some of your 31 feet is today, is God is going to challenge you to a relationship with him called being born again. God is going to challenge you with that because that's going to be stepping into something that you're going, man, this is scary. I don't know what to do. I thought just coming to church was good enough. God's going to move you into a relationship beyond religion and move you into a relationship today. 1 Samuel 26.6 is a story that I'll give you the background, but let me read to you the opportunity. It says, then David said to Ahimelech and to Abishai, those are the two candidates that have the opportunity. Who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai simply said, I will go down with you. Let me give you the quick background. And then I want to challenge you today with a couple thoughts. David is in the middle of fulfilling prophecy that will literally be the next king, that he will be the next king of Israel. But David, was, who was told by Samuel, this prophecy was all the way back in 1 Samuel chapter 16. David is not going to put a crown on his head until 2 Samuel chapter 5. And so you today are reading in between, not just in between, you're reading almost 17 years between 1 Samuel 16 and 2 Samuel 5, almost 17 years of what God needed to do inside. Keep this in mind. God didn't need David simply to knock down a giant to get him ready. Because some of us think, you knock down a giant, put a crown on his head. God goes, a giant killing is not going to make you king. It's 17 years of you beginning to know that people are going to try to kill you and that you are going to walk in forgiveness. You're going to walk in trust. You're going to walk in faith. He says, that's what's going to prepare you for what you're supposed to do next. So Saul, who is the present king, Times Square Church, 
literally finds out that David is going to become the next king and he wants to kill him because he is threatened by him. And on one of those killing missions is right here in 1 Samuel chapter 26. David is surrounded, get this now, by 3,000 of Saul's finest men. So David wants, David has this idea. There's 3,000 men surrounding us. Let's go into Saul's camp in the middle of the night. We're going to take his water jug and his spear. We won't kill Saul just to show that we have integrity and honor and that we're not here to retaliate. That they want to walk right in the midst of 3,000 soldiers that have one mission and that's to kill David. Now think about how bitter this man Saul is. You have hired, you have 3,000 salaries and 3,000 health insurances to kill one man. That's called bitterness. Now let me just say this. He doesn't just want to go into Saul's camp alone, so he's asking for a volunteer in 1 Samuel 26.6. Now, what can happen if you say yes to this mission? This is 31 feet, folks. What's going to happen if you ask one of these two men to go with you? And he's really putting together his crash, guys who are not afraid to go into 31 feet. And you're going to see these two men in this verse. One is a 30-foot man, and one is a 31-foot man. It's Abishai and Ahimelech. And David simply asked the question, who will go down with me to Saul in the camp? And Abishai said, I will go with you. I want you to take note of just one thing before we become practical today. This is both of these guys, Ahimelech and Abishai. Think about this now. Bronx, New Jersey, listen to me close. This is both of these guys is first time they ever appear in the Bible. This is their moment. This is the big ask. This is the challenge. And it will be the last time that one guy never appears again. He had his chance to go 31 feet and you read his name. He got his verse and that's it. Never, you'll never hear from him again. And that's where I want to challenge you today on how to become that 31, to take the next step of what God is asking you to do today. And I want you to see what I see in this passage of scripture. I want you to jot these down. Pull out your phone, like old people, pull out your pad and paper. Most of you have money in your wallet, like Pastor Carter. Pull, pull out something to write with, because I want to give you just three quick thoughts from this passage, what I see, that helps you to step into what God wants you to do, what God wants Cindy and I to do. Even this next step for Pastor Carter is, this is 31 feet. He has no idea what's ahead of him. He has no idea what God is opening up in Washington and around the country and calling a nation to prayer. This is 31 feet for Pastor Carter. And so this is where I think we have to understand three easy thoughts, three simple things, at least on paper it's simple, but let's begin to go through these. Number one, say yes to God a lot. Just say yes. Listen, listen. C.S. Lewis said it like this. I didn't go to Christianity to make me happy. I knew I can get that out of a bottle of wine. He said, if you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I don't suggest being a Christian. Because what he was saying was, when God asks you to go 31 feet, just say yes. Listen, that is difficult for us as Americans. The number one chair in America is not called Risky Boy, it's called Lazy Boy. That's why we have to understand how important this is. He's not asking us to sit in a chair. He's asking us to go wherever God is leading us to go. When David Wilkerson asked me at 19 years old, in between semesters at Baylor University, going to follow in the footsteps of my father to go into law enforcement and said, why don't you come to Detroit, Michigan and work with my son Gary on the streets for two months? This is risky, boy. This is, this is then the home we go into, the house that he puts us in, that the Wilkerson's decided is the proper place for us. The basement was painted all red, and flames were painted all over the house. And I said, who used to live here? They said, don't worry about it, just demon worshipers. <laughs> they just needed a big 31 on top of the house. All of us have the potential to be an Abishai or a Himalek. Always say yes to God. 
Because when you do, you fight against an Ahimelech bent, which all of us have. Yes to missions trips that our missions department here is saying. Yes to small groups that we are making available online. Yes to summit. Yes to tithing. Those are 31 feet yeses. What is the bent? Listen to me close. When David asked, don't miss this now, Times Square Church. When David asked, who will go down with me? Get this now. Ahimelech didn't say no. Ahimelech didn't say anything. That's the danger. The danger is he didn't even say anything. Because some of us are smart enough as Christians, we would never say no. In fact, Pastor Peter, from Japan, right? This is what I always learned. My favorite line from a Japanese missionary is you, you people in the West don't know how to read the Bible. This is what they said. They said, in, in Japan or in America, you read the Bible like this. But in Japan and China, you read the Bible like this. Ahimelech gets one verse, never says no, just didn't say anything. That you can hear the challenges, whether it's from an announcement, whether it's from Pastor David or Pastor Carter, whether it's from Pastor Teresa on Summit Sunday going, we challenge you to come to Summit. And we know better not to say no, we just won't say anything. And what it is, is Ahimelech gets one verse and he's done. But it's amazing. When you ask God for something, he never seems to make it easy. He always is going, you want to say yes? Here it is. I was in Indianapolis, and the hotel I was staying at at this conference, the Indiana Pacers were playing the Houston Rockets. And I saw, I, I, I found out because their bus was out there, and I saw some of the equipment and a sign, welcome to the Houston Rockets. I ask God, I just go, hey, God, give me an opportunity maybe to share with them the gospel. Whoo. So I'm in it with a friend. We're, we're coming. We're getting ready to get in the hotel. We were on like floor 20. And while we're getting ready to get in the elevator, higher up in the, in the kind of the key floors, the door opens up and all we see are legs in the elevator. The whole starting five of the Houston Rockets are in the elevator and I have 21 floors to say yes. So we walked on this elevator with the starting five all around us and soon as the door shut, I go, God, give me wisdom. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes. And as soon as the door shut, I looked at my friend and I said, so this thing about the gospel of Jesus, what you're telling me about is if I give my life to Jesus right here in this elevator, I can be born again right here on this elevator because Jesus, died. I'm looking at floor 17, floor 16, and I'm going, I got 16 floors to get the gospel out. So I'm going, so if I say yes, I can kneel right here before we even land on the bottom. And Jesus who came, God sent him, died for me on the cross for my sins that I could be born again right now. He goes, he goes, oh yeah. Yeah, 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 you can be born again right here. So literally, I said, okay, pray for me. I knelt down in the elevator, and I'm going, Jesus, come into my heart. I want to be born. And all these guys are looking at me going, what is going on down here? And when those doors opened up, I go, thank God, I'm born again, again. And I thought to myself when I walked out, here it is, here's what I thought. I go, I don't know if they got saved, but I do know they heard the gospel for 21 <laughs> floors. Just say yes to God. Don't ask God to guide your steps if you're not willing to move your feet. Because he's going to give you 31 feet yeses sometimes. And this is the challenge. One yes from Abishai gives him verses for the next 41 years of his life. One yes Ahimelech gets no more verses after this one. One yes for Abishai means four decades 
One nothing said means one verse and you're done. Times Square Church, say yes to God. Say yes a lot to God. When Greg comes up here and says, let's worship, just go, yes, it's time for me to worship. Yes to God, every single thing. I'm telling you, you never know what's on the other side of your obedience. Number two, jot this down. Do things that need a miracle. Do things that need for God to show up. When you say yes, when David was saying, I need someone to go down with me. This wasn't a Starbucks run. This wasn't like, who wants a flat white, no foam, upside down. Um, It wasn't that. This was, you could die. This is something that literally could change his life. If God doesn't put 3,000 men to sleep when they sneak into Saul's camp, this is their last mission. God has to put them to sleep, and which he does. And so many times... We do what we can and leave the God factor out. But God is going, I want you to say yes to things that you need me to be there for those things. Saying yes to a mission, saying yes to summit. Know what that says? God, I don't even know where the finances are coming. God goes, good, now it's me, time for me to do my job. When you say yes to a mission trip, when you say yes to those things, to one of the 60 ministries that are here at Times Square Church, you're going, God, I'm, I'm naturally shy. God, I'm going to sign up for children's ministry, but I just don't like kids. God goes, now it's time for me to teach you to love everybody. This is God stepping in. This is you going, I want to sing in the choir, but I can't sing. Okay, that At that moment, there's another ministry for you. But listen... I'm just trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you out here. This is God beginning to say, let's put you in a place that you need for me to show up. This is when God does. And and one of our fundamental problems sometimes, spiritual problems, is we want God to do something new while we keep doing the same old thing. We want God to change our circumstances without us having to change at all. And this is where God begins the challenge when God goes, no, 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 I want you to do something that you need for me to show up. That's why when Brother Dave goes, I want you to come to Detroit at 19 years old, Gary, Pastor Gary Wilkerson, Brother Dave's son, cut from the same cloth as his father. Brother Dave's going, go to Detroit at 19. Gary was going, now, I want you, 19 years old, to do a Bible study in a prostitution hotel, I'm 19. I grew up in the church. I want you to understand something, and and I'm excited. I want you to listen. Parents, I want you to listen. Students, I want you to listen. This is important, especially with dealing with student ministry here and all that's happening from from the college on Friday nights to student ministry. I want you to understand this. I'm so thankful I grew up in the church. I'm so thankful I had godly parents. I want to tell you, when I went to Detroit... I've never been drunk in my life. I've never used drugs in my life. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. Um, I I was a virgin till the day I got married at 33. And Gary goes, you get the prostitution hotel. I'm going, okay, I think we have have a problem here. (laughs) Prostitution hotel? He goes, that's where you're going to preach. I played the guitar. I knew three chords. And they want me to preach every Thursday night. And people would come at 7.05. They'd come, they'd get their stolen Gideon Bibles, show up at 7.05 because they had to get also their lottery numbers at 7 o'clock. They'd show up. And then here was I with with three-chord songs, G, A, and D, and, and me having to preach every... This is, I don't know what I'm doing, but I needed God at this moment. Because this was my Bible school. This was summit. To sit here going, I don't even know how to prepare a message. And now you're putting me in here in front of pimps and prostitutes and drug addicts. This is the church. This is the people I'm talking. And only God could do something like that. Only God can. And then he goes, now it's time to buy a triple X theater and start a church. I'm going, this is insane. Everything... 
Is there anything simple? Like I'm thinking everything has to be so crazy. And God goes, because if I'm not in this, you can do this in your own strength. But when you rely upon me, as you take those next steps, it's you saying, Saul, Listen, David, if God doesn't put those 3,000 men to sleep, it's over. If me going into a prostitution hotel or me going into a triple X theater and starting a church, if God doesn't show up, it's over. But here's the good news. Every time you say yes, God shows up. God shows up every single time. He's always there. When, when... When we started our first prayer meeting, it was, there wasn't 207 nations. We started our first prayer meeting. We had five. It was me, this guy that just would always read the Bible, two ladies that would pray, and a demoniac. And that was every Friday night. It was the worst prayer meeting in the nation. But I wanted a prayer meeting. I'm just going, okay. So I'd go, let's pray. So the two ladies, God, come revival. The one man would never pray. Just open up the Bible and read. And then the demoniac was doing and manifesting. So it was always the same five. So I'm just going, God, this is the worst prayer meeting. But we did it every Friday night. We did this prayer meeting. Because I made a commitment to say yes and only say, God, I, I, I want to say yes, but I want to trust you that, that when you ask me to do things, I want to do things that are going to need God for show, to show up. It's amazing what God puts you in and, and the challenges he gives to you. So while we were there one Friday night, those two ladies who are always praying almost ruined the prayer meeting. They bring in a person off the streets that got beat up the night before and said he got beat up. He broke three of his ribs. He needs healing. I'm going, well, bring him to the hospital. They go, no, we're going to pray. You pray that God heal him. So the guy's reading the Bible, demoniac, two ladies. And I'm sitting here going, God, I, I go, God, I believe in healing. When I read about it, I believe it. I believe it. I said, but this is just this. This is because you can't fake it. You just can't go like, so I, so I, I have an asterisk when I pray for healing. It's, and it goes like this. I'm going, God, you love this man. And here's asterisk. If it's your will, you always say that because if nothing happens, you can go, it's not his will. And so I just go, if it's your will, because this is, this, is, this is Abishai stuff. This is needing God to show up. This is 3,000 men. So these ladies are looking, hands on him. He's, I'm laying hands, and this is what I prayed, and I'm not proud of it. I said, God, the real healing he needs is the healing of the soul. It's true, but it's not what, and he's groaning, and I'm just going, because I knew if you do soul healing, then, then I can't be judged. But if you pray for ribs, which I don't have a rib prayer, I'm going, I don't know if this is going to go well. And finally, I threw an asterisk, but God, he needs, he needs healing of the soul. But if it's your will, we just pray you would, you would just heal him. And then we just go, okay, I go, let's join back together for prayer. And all of a sudden, the guy goes, he goes, I'm healed. I said, no, you're not. He goes, he goes no. He said, when you prayed for me, like I'm healed right now. I said, and he, then he goes, punch me. I said, Wait a second. I said, I'm not punched. I said, I can just see me on Judge Judy. He punched me. He's on Judge Judy. And here I am. And I'm going, oh my goodness. He's healed. And it works. God actually shows up when you say yes. And when you say, God, I need you to do something that I cannot do in my own strength, God actually shows up for us. He'll do it. Even when we're thinking to ourselves, how do I, how can I, and scheming how to fix this thing, God goes, even when you don't even know what you're doing, watch what I can do for you. Man, I don't want to be a Himalek that sits in this place Never says no, but just doesn't say anything. God, yes. God, you've got to show up. And let me just give you one final thing as Greg and the team comes. I want you to listen to this. I don't know any other way to say it, but 
Who you hang with is what you'll become. Don't you listen to me close. Who you hang with. My friend, a chaplain for the Oakland A's in California, couldn't have said it any better. He says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Students, college students, parents, show me your friends and that determines your future. Now think about this. Here's Abishai who says yes. When David said, do you want to go with me? He wasn't just saying for this mission, but he says there's a lot of more 31 feet. There's a lot 31 feet things that are on its way. And I want us to do this together. When David says, who will go down with us? He wasn't just saying one time. He was saying, this is going to be our journey together. We're going to, this is our crash. This is us as rhinos doing this thing. You, you can ask my three girls and my son from the moment they were leaving our house and going to school. You can ask them. We pray three things every morning. I'll tell you the first one of the things that we pray for them every single morning. We said, God, give them God honoring friendships. And then we say this, you can ask them because first Corinthians 1533 says, and then they say it not joyfully, but they will say it. Bad company corrupts good character every single morning. What am I saying to them? What, are, what is Cindy and I praying over them before they leave our house and head off to school? We're saying to them, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That relationships matter. That you need to find people that are willing to say yes to God. You need to hang out with people that are willing to say, we're doing this and we need a miracle from God to do this. Because who you partner with is what you will become. You'll talk that way. You'll think that way. And you will do things that way. Think, think how important this is. That's why parents with new children, we were really careful. I want to just say this as a father. We were really careful, one, on who we hung out with, and number two, who we let them sleep over. Because I'm not going to do all the work and then somebody mess it up on one night staying over their house. Mm-mm, that's not going to happen. Can I sleep over so-and-so? I said, absolutely not. But they can come over here. I said, we'll make brown, we'll, we'll give you all the sugar and pizza, we'll give you everything, but it's going to be over here on our terms, because if we're doing this, we want to make sure we do this thing right. And it was just a big deal to us, because we feel like those relationships absolutely matter. David is known, listen to me, David is known as a giant killer. So what would you expect from Abishai? The last giant David faced, he didn't kill but I want to tell you who killed the last giant. Listen to the last chapter of Abishai's life with David. This is 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 21. Almost 40 years later, listen to these words. Still the Philistines. Now when the Philistines were at war again with Israel, David went down and his servants with them and they fought against the Philistines. David became weary. Then listen to the name of this giant. It's not Goliath. Ishbabinab. Who knows what that mother was thinking? Who was among the descendants of the giants intended to kill David? But Abishai, who hung out with giant killers, helped him and struck the Philistine and killed him. Why? Because Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. You hang out with godly people, you get closer to God. You hang out with, listen, just sit next to somebody here and Greg goes, let's sing the song. If you have people on both sides of you going, we love you, it's tough to sit there like this. But sit next to people like this, you get like this. Sit next to people with their hands up that is right inside of your airspace and moving and touching you and all this stuff. Then you just go, why not? Let's just go ahead and let God do what only God can do. Why, why do you think when Pastor Carter goes, hey, coffee break is over, 31 feet. And why do you think when we talk, they go, please. Do the prayer meeting on Tuesday nights. Please. You know what I was doing? I'm hanging out with a rhino. 
I'm hanging, out, I'm hanging out with the crash because I know this is a 31-foot man. That's why I'm going, you think, you think, oh, good, he's here for the prayer meeting. I'm sitting next to the rhino going like this, going, okay, I'm with you through this because, I, because who you hang with is what you become. And if I can get closer to him, if I can stay closer to him, man, I get to learn to pray like him. I get to learn to take the risks like him. I get to learn how to say yes like him. I get to be to say yes like she did when she said you go to summit. If I can keep these two in my crosshairs, I'm going, I'm a very wise man. I'm telling you that right now. How dumb would it be for someone to step in here going, I got it from here. That, let me tell you what that is. That's called dumb. I need them. We want them. That's my crash. Those are my 31 feet people. Those are the ones that help us to do this. Say yes to God a lot. Say yes where you need a miracle from God. And let's hang out with people that bring us closer to God in every single thing that we begin to do. I was speaking at the university of, uh, I was speaking at a university in Minnesota a few years ago. I was sitting next to one of the, he was a vice president of something, I don't know, academics or something. We're having lunch together. And I don't even know what the topic was, but to this day, over a decade later, I remember what he said to me. I think we just stepped into the role of buying this theater in Detroit. We just said yes to 31 feet. I don't even know what to expect, God. And here's, he said, Tim, can I share with you a piece of over a thousand-year-old prose from a, from, a, from a Greek philosopher? I said, sure. I said, and I'm whatever. This is what he said. He said, just listen to these words, and I'll never forget it to this day. He said, come to the edge and they said, we won't. He said, come to the edge. And they said, we can't. He said, come to the edge. They said they will. He pushed them and they flew. When God gets you to the edge, you may feel like he's about to push you. But he can begin to take you to places he can't get you on your own. He literally can get you. He is about, he, has, he is about to push the senior member of our crash into places that he can't go on his own. And Pastor Carter stepped up just like he did from Riceville and God pushed them. And for 26 years, God gave him the strength to fly. And now God is about to push him again. And he is about to soar in this next season. It took him about three years. As we just kept talking and talking. And finally he just said, Tim, this is what you're supposed to do. Coaxing me to the edge. I go, no. I was that. Come to the edge. No. Come to the edge. I can't come to the edge. They came, he pushed them, and they flew. Just say yes. Just say yes to God. Just say yes. I want you to listen for a moment. Because whether for some of you that are born again, that means... You know, I'm going, to say, I'm going to say yes to this challenge for Summit, for college days, or for being part of this, or to apply, or to even challenge my children to be part of it. Maybe it's the small group that you're just going, no, we need to do that. We need to go on the website, go to the TSC website, find that small group and go, man, 30 feet is comfortable for me. Maybe God is just challenging you. Maybe, maybe you're a student here from Columbia or NYU, and God is challenging you to be part of that with Stan on, on Friday nights with the, with, the, with the young adults. 
or the youth, or maybe it's just to serve here in one of the ministries in God's child. Let God just take you to the edge. But let me tell you one of the biggest things that God may be asking you to do today. I want you to listen to me close. Those in the annex, balcony, main floor. It's the most important question I can ask you because it's a 31-foot question. And the question is not who will go down with us. That was Abishai's question. Your question is this, 31 feet. Here it is. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? It's the most important question. Because here's what 30 feet for us is. I'm Catholic. I'm Protestant. I'm Baptist. My parents were religious. I come from the Philadelphia church. Or I'm, I'm Jewish. Or I'm Muslim. Or I'm non-religious. Some people say, and these are all 30 feet things. Good things, but 30 feet things. It's like this. Oh, I've been baptized. I've been christened. I've been dedicated. I go to church. I'm a good person. Those are great. 31 feet says, I need you to come into my life and change me from the inside out. That's 31 feet. That's born again. Because sitting, contrary to popular belief, just taking communion with us on Tuesday nights or on a Sunday doesn't get you to heaven. Then it's just juice and a cracker. That's all it is. The water that we baptize with on a Sunday night. Can I just tell you, it's not magic water from Jordan. Pastor Peter can tell you that. We don't pipe that in. It's good old New York reservoir water that you know doesn't change anybody. They can go down and come up. And if you are a sinner, when you go down, you're coming up a wet sinner. It doesn't change you. And neither do these red seats change you. But you know what we love about water, communion, red seats, church, and our own goodness? We're comfortable with that. But for someone to ask the most important question that you can never be asked is, have you been born again? Now it's out of our hands. And the challenge is to say yes. Yes to something that needs God to do the work on the inside. Pastor Tim, how does that happen? And I'll always remind you, it's as simple as ABC. It's A, admitting that we're all broken people, starting with me. We were born broken and couldn't fix our, we could not fix ourselves. We couldn't fix ourselves by promises. We couldn't fix ourselves by literally going to a priest or a pastor or even going to a program. Those things are great, but it can't fix the inside. Only God can do that. Well, Pastor Tim, how did God do that? That's the great part of the story. That's the B part, which says, believe that God sent his son to die in my place, who lived a life I couldn't live, died the death I should have died, to give me a reward called heaven I didn't deserve, but only God can do it. Only God, like Pastor Carter talks about all the time, Pastor David Ham, God is the one that changes us, comes in, lives inside us, born again, just as you had a birth date, a first birth in a hospital, you need a second birth date and today can be it where it's not in a hospital, but it's right from the inside out. God comes in and changes us from the inside out. You're saying by believing in Jesus that he died for me, that's the beginning of the journey. And then C, confessing him as Lord, which is so important. This is the buy-in. This is you going, you're in charge now. Jesus did not die 2,000 years ago to get you to sit for two hours in a church on a Sunday. He died to have a relationship with you every single day. 30 feet Christianity with communion and water baptism. Those are all important on the other side of being born again. But to try to be good to get to heaven, it'll never work. To try to be baptized to get to heaven, it's impossible. Or can, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die. If, re, if to get to heaven relied upon you, then why would God have sent his own son? He sent his son because we can't get ourselves there, but he died to get us there by changing us on the inside. Today could be that day. Would you bow your head and close your eyes right now? Annex, balcony, main floor, over at the Bronx campus, North Jersey. Everybody just bow your head for just a moment. Because the most important question that you have to ask today, it's a 31-foot question. 31 feet. And remember, who you hang with is what you become. And here's my promise. Hang with Jesus, 
you become like Jesus. Through the word, through prayer, through his people. That's what changes us. So if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed and just say, Pastor Tim, man, I want to start that journey with God. I want to be born again. If you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, I know you're going to pray a born again prayer, a prayer that, that starts the journey. It doesn't make us perfect. We don't leave out of you, but we leave with the right relationship with God. We want to start that journey today. If that's you and you just go, Pastor Tim, man, I, I, I want to take that 31 foot that next step, I'm so thankful to be here, but I know to know I can be forgiven of my sin, to know that I'm going to heaven, to know that this is not a religion, but a relationship, to know that Times Square Church can't change, we, only God can change. If to know that today, man, I wanna, I wanna take that. But Pastor Tim, I'm not perfect. Exactly, none of us are. Perfect people don't go to heaven, forgiven people go to heaven. And if you're here today and say, Pastor Tim, and I want to be part of that next step. I want that 31 feet. I want to be born again today. Just for a moment, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and say, I want to take that next step. If that's you all over this place, I want you just to raise your hand. Say, put me in that prayer today when you pray. Hold it up high. I want to make sure I see every hand that's up. Keep them up high. Keep them up high. Every hand that's up. Every hand that's up. Keep them up. And the annex. Okay. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. This is going to be the challenge. Man, there's, there's so many hands all over this place. Okay, you could put your hands up. This is fantastic. You, this is incredible. If you raise your hand, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And I'm going to tell you, you don't have to feel embarrassed. you got a lot of people that are about to cheer for you. If you raise your hand, I want you to stand up to your feet right now. Quickly, wherever you're at in this place. Stand up wherever you're at in this place. Quickly, stand up. Balcony, over this here. So stand up wherever you're at. Quickly. Come on, let's thank God for everyone that's here today. Okay, if your hand is raised, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to do this. You're going to see ushers in yellow coats. I want you to get, this is your third, this is, here it is, 31 feet. You got to take that step, 31 feet. I want you to get out of your seat and come down here and meet me. I want to pray with you right now. Come on, you're going to cheer you on. Come on, the balcony, come on, in the balcony, come on down. Down here, come on, can you cheer for them? at this altar, let me just tell you something. You took the 31 feet step. That's what you did today. You took the 31 foot step. That's what blows me away. That Every single one of you took the 31 foot step. This is the mystery. You're going like, man, I've never done this before. That you've got people here. All of us in this place have taken that 31 foot step. We just go, God, only you could have done this in our lives. You're saying yes to God, number one. Number two, you're saying, God, you're doing what I can't do. I need a miracle. I'm doing something that needs God to do a miracle. And number three, always remember, I become with who I hang with. And when you, you get to become more like Jesus because you hang with him through prayer, the word, and also with his people. All over this place, I want us to close our eyes for just a second. And I want all of us, not just these at this altar, I want us to pray this together. Come on, say this out loud with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my heartaches, and you died for it. You faced hell for me, so I wouldn't have to go. You rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven, a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to be born again. God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on.